This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome back to the Build a Better Us podcast. The president of Build a Better Us, B.J. Thompson, and licensed therapist, John J.P. Parker, are about to discuss spiritual, relational, and personal development from a refreshing perspective. Be sure to stay tuned to the end to find out how you can become a part of the BBU Nation. But for now, we hope you enjoyed this conversation with BJ and JP. Hello, everybody. I'm John Parker. And this is BJ Thompson. And this is the Build a Better Us podcast. Today, we're talking about, huh, I guess it's overcoming trauma. I was trying to come up with something cooler than that, but see, you already laid the groundwork, so I guess I should have just left good enough alone. Yeah. Uh, You know, that's my bad. I was like, how can I one-up this guy before we even get started? But that was sin in my heart, so I apologize. Listen, you'll spend your whole life trying to one-up me, so... Mm. Yeah, this guy. Okay, all right. Listen, okay, listen, you got listen, it. Your whole life under this. So, okay, okay. Yeah, don't try it. Listen, well, you can. You can try it. <laughs> you can try it. You can try to overcome um, the shadow. Yeah, yeah. Of everything. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you were introducing the episode. Carry on, JP. I mean, just overcoming trauma, man. There's a lot of things happening in this world right now. A lot of things not to be smiling about, not to be happy about. But we're trying to, you know. Uh, practice what we preach. So again, the game right now and the goal right now is to overcome trauma and to kind of figure out how to best help you all understand what's going on, how to make sense of things, and just how to get your mind right, despite all this negativity that's happening around us. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a great thing. Um, You know, even just in terms of overcoming, I'll just open this up with illustration. JP, you remember um, when growing up, when the computers first started becoming like accessible to everybody? Yeah, yes, right. When everybody finally had computers, Mm because you know there was a time when the only time you could get a computer was if you was at school. Yes, yeah. Or you worked at some type of science lab, right? Like the big joints, the floppy disk. Yep. Right. Yep. And I remember the first time going to the library, um, and oh, I remember when desktops came out. I remember when Mm. you could have a laptop. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. and how weird it was to be holding a computer in your arms and being able to take it home. And it's not in the library, it's not in the school, right? Mm-hmm. And so I remember the first time getting in, and I think this is when Internet Explorer was popping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's huge, like hugely popping. And I remember the first time my screen started showing like flashes of like all kinds of explicit material. I was like, <laughs> oh, what is this? Uh-huh. It was and, accident. You're saying it was an accident? No, no, it was an accident. Now, this, this, oh. one, this time was an accident. Okay. This time it was just, an Because you know what just doesn't show up? You actually have to click stuff and go yeah. you know, to the website. No, but it was like, it was a virus. Oh. Yeah, it was a virus. Okay, okay. And I was like, yo, my computer's sick, right? <laughs> and, you know, for a long time, I was like, yo, why are people getting new computers and they're all getting sick, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember asking a friend, my, my friend in college, this is a true story. I said, yo, man, my computer keeps getting sick. Because then I, I think it started showing ads. It mm-hmm. just had everything, mm-hmm. bro, like everything in it. Mm-hmm. I said, "Why, man, why do these computers get sick? And he said to me, he said, yo, 
because people make viruses. And I was mm. like, mm. they do what to those computers? <laughs> right? Uh-huh. They don't just get sick, right? And I think I think at that moment, what I realized about like the this thing about virus and even just life, I was like, yo, I thought I was going crazy because I kept seeing that my computer was crashing because of a virus. And what I realized was like, no, I'm not crazy. Like, this is an intentional structured thing that keeps happening over and over and over again, right? And so I think just kind of opening up this conversation around trauma, I think that oftentimes we get into situations, JP, where things happen, something traumatic happens either individually or collectively or socially. And we feel like we're, we're going crazy, right? We feel like something is off or it's just us, right? Not recognizing, no, there is something wrong, right? There is something at the root of it. And so, yeah, so just opening up this thing of trauma, knowing that, man, things can be wrong um, and you're not aware. So, JP, give us a time when maybe you were trauma ignorant, right? (laughs) Where you were ignorant of a traumatic incident and how it's impacting you. Well, I'll just say it like this. So growing up, I didn't realize how negatively, uh, psychologically, and emotionally I was being impacted by watching uh, movies. No, not even that. That was fun. That would have been great. That they helped me in the streets. I put many a man in the chokehold. Bro, did I tell you that one time I put somebody in the uh, Hardy Boys move in a fight? Yo, oh, in a real fight. I was like, me, you did that to your real fight. Bro? Like, a no, real... in a real fight. Nah, that's a win right there. That's, that's... No, I lost. Oh, no, bro. Oh. It was fake. That's when I realized the wrestling was oh, fake. Which move was Carry it? Uh-huh. The, the joint where you put them in a headlock and you uh-huh. run forward uh-huh. and you jump in the air. <laughs> oh, yeah, bro, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that joint doesn't work in real life. Well, did you slip Don't... when you jumped? Like you slipped off his nah, head? No, I jumped in the air. No, nah, I jumped in the air and it, do, it didn't do nothing, bro. It was, oh. like, it was bad, bro. So listen, uh, all those moves don't work. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. Yeah, you I was said, doing bro. real things, you know, like chicken, chicken. Power driver. Thing, yeah. I wouldn't say I didn't. I didn't learn that. I did okay. the Hardy Boys joint. It don't work. Okay. <laughs> Go all ahead. Right. Yeah, and so for me, I pop culture and movies. So Minister Society, Boys in the Hood. Uh, not so much Boys in the Hood, but yeah, all of them really, man. Boys in the Hood. They came yeah. out when I was 12, but I didn't realize how much I was setting myself up for PTSD by consuming these movies that were seemingly having good messages and things of that nature, but that ultimately were setting me up to be, to normalize uh, the death and the tragedies that would happen around me starting at age 14. I think I told you the first time one of my friends got killed by a rival gang. He got thrown in front of a train uh, when I was about 14. Um, and so I, I was able to rationalize and normalize and figure out how to make sense of what was happening to me and, but it wasn't helping me. And so all the stuff I was consuming, the music, the movies, the television, just death, 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 destruction, 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 and then living through the riots and, you know, the LA riots and all these different things. Like it was, it was building trauma in me. It was sending trauma my way. It was, it was normalizing and what uh, desensitizing me to the reality of things. And then as it started to happen in real life and I couldn't um, reconcile what was really going on, I think I told you, and I probably said a bunch of times on the podcast, when I moved from Oakland to Atlanta, I buried about five of my homeboys in like an mm-hmm. eighth, maybe a 10-month period, all under the age of 25, all murdered. And it just was it just was too much. And I ran away, you know, and I can't even really talk about it now or, or think about it now without it 
causing me distress. And that's a whole nother episode, but just ignoring trauma for the purposes of like being able to function. So yeah, but anyway, so that that's it. I, I don't want to go into too much of that right now because I want us to be able to finish the podcast. No, this is great. <laughs> this is great material. Um, I, I think it's, it's it's extremely important that we bring into, um, yeah, we bring in our own lives. So yeah, that's that's a time when you were trauma ignorant. Yeah, so, I didn't know. Yeah, I just didn't know. I had no idea that this was setting me up for failure. Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, so I was my trauma ignorance moment. I got a bunch of them actually, um, but this is one I didn't. Uh, I'll I'll talk about this one. This is really a trauma ignorant moment. So did I test to work um, in fast food? I used to do. <laughs> nah. <laughs> yeah, bro. Oh, I used boy. to work in fast food, and uh-huh. you know my work there. You know I was magic chef. I was killing it. Um, I, I was really killing it. And so if I would have been there, I would have stayed. They would have made me shift leader. What? No, uh, you, I wait, wait, you was gonna surprise the. You was gonna. Uh, uh, you was gonna press past the, the fry. You went right from mop yeah, the floor yeah, to yeah, shift yeah, leader. Yeah. Dang, yeah, dang. all that, bro. Listen, they would have gave me a badge with my name on it, everything. Dang. And yeah, okay. I would have been telling people what to do, everything. Okay. So um, yeah, but you know, I was I had to start out at the bottom, you know. Um, and I started out as a fryer. And when I said when I started out as a fryer, what what you don't know is when you taking that hot grease and you taking like frozen items to order, right? And you putting them in hot grease. Water and oil don't mix, JB. Okay. Oh, they didn't put that in the in the in the manual. When you uh, they didn't put that in. The, no, 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 no. So if you're if you're throwing frozen food, frozen anything into hot grease, there is hot grease splashing everywhere, right? Um, as a reaction to to the fact that oil and water don't mix, right? And so my arms, JP, would be covered in scars, bro. Um, but from just working, like literally come home nightly and having scars. And so uh, one day, you know, my mom hits me up. She's like, yo, I just found this new gig. You know, they pay, you know, so much more, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, you're not going to have to, you know, have to put, get any more scars. I was like, oh, this is good. I can't wait to get wow, to this. no more hot grease. Yeah. Oh, come on, bro. On some good times, Penny, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hit that, bro. Yeah. Like no more of that. So I'm hype. I'm hype for a while when she tells me about the benefits and blah, 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 blah. Well, then she says to me, well, I said, mom, what's the position? And she says, you're going to be a lifeguard. There I said, you I'm going to be a what? There you go. Now, look. Garden fries to garden lives. Listen, this is the fun fact while you over here, Kevin, on me. <laughs> it's the fun fact. The fun fact was... JP, she had just secured my job as a lifeguard, and bro, I could not swim. Hmm. Okay? Hmm. And so here I am listening to her get all excited and tell me that, you know, I'm I'm going to be this guard and blah, blah, blah. And all I could see, man, was the lives of the people um, who would actually need me. They would need me to be there and to, you know, save them for real. Like, no jokes. And JP, I burst into tears, bro. I wept, Mm. right? Yeah. And, you know, I I was looking at it later on in life, and I was like, why did I weep? What about that moment made me weep? And then it clicked. When I was six years old, my brother 
was dangling over the side, side of a balcony. Right? Mm-hmm. And I held on to him for dear life, right? As a six-year-old, he's a two-year-old, and here I am holding on to him. Like that memory of trauma um, was there. Now he he did not die. He saved his life, everything else, right? But that urgency of my behavior can lead to the life or death of someone had met me in that moment at 16, I didn't, and I didn't even know it. Mm. Right. Uh, yeah. I had unconsciously carried that trauma up until that point and had not seen it. And I did not see it until after that moment at 16, probably like 20 something years later. Right. And so I guess in this idea of overcoming trauma, JP, I think the first thing that we need to talk about is how do you know if you've experienced trauma or how do you know that when you're in a situation, you are maybe having a, it may be a traumatic episode. So I guess I'll open up with that as a way of getting into this conversation. Yeah, what do you think? Unfortunately, a lot of times because of, well, this way, if you have a lot of trauma experienced over a long period of time, it's very hard to recognize you're in a trauma episode because you think it's just regular life. You think the, the, the fast heartbeats, you feel like the panic attacks, you feel like the breathing episodes, you feel like the not being able to sleep, you feel like the anxiousness is normal um, because you've experienced for so long for such a, uh, over a long period of time. So those signs alone, yes, uh, when you recognize them, anxiousness, restlessness, not being able to sleep, panic attacks, anxiety attacks, heart palpitations, uh, police officer pulls up behind you and you start sweating, you get nervous and you're about to pass out. Like those are all signs that you're experiencing trauma. Um, again, the unfortunate piece for many people um, is that they don't know that it's happening because it seems to be part of everyday life. Like, oh, this is how I just behave. Like, oh, when I see this, this happens. Oh, when I see it, when I hear a dog bark, this happens. Oh, when I hear a gunshot, this happens. Oh, when I, uh, you know, someone threatens to call 911, this happens. You know what I mean? That was a jab. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where, yeah, so bottom line is like, those are like the psychological symptoms, as I mentioned before. Feel free to rewind and listen to the list again and write it down. Um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, I can do that succinctly. That's it. Oh, yeah. No, I think you did. I think you actually answered the point in knowing that sometimes it's hard to tell when you're having a traumatic incident because you've experienced a lot, right? Like I have people and clients who, when I start, we start talking about um, their origin story and they just share with me things that have occurred up until that moment with their nature and their nurture. And sometimes, JP, I'm like, have you seen a therapist for this? Right, right, <laughs> like, right. You know, their response is, no, I just kind of buried it in a bucket, right? I just kind of put it in this bucket. And so it's so normal to be in these situations that you can't even recognize them as trauma, right? And I think, you know, really what's important in this conversation, the reason why we need to um, have this conversation is because currently we are experiencing a um, a collective trauma, right? And the origin is not, you know, things that are happening right now. The origins have roots in 400 years, right? And so when you don't know where it comes from and why you do what you do, you could be operating out of a, tra- a trauma and don't even know it again, i.e. I get a phone call about a, a job upgrade that involves saving life and I break into tears. I'm weeping, right? 
And I don't know. I mean, you could just write it off as like, oh, you being soft. <laughs> what are you scared? Are you scared? Right? You scared to go to church. Like you, you mm-hmm. could write it off into something else. And I think that what's challenging about it is, is that when you're in those situations and you don't know where it comes from, it begins to take a hold of you, right? Like it, it takes a hold of your life. JP, what would you say you see, I guess, even in terms of this generation and trauma, I know that we are the free to express ourselves kind of generation. What do you see? How do we end up in, I guess, trauma bond or trauma hold or trauma? <laughs> yeah. What do you see? How do we get there? And what do you observe specifically for this culture? Well, how we get there is kind of just like, I think absorbing too much uh, news. You know, I'm, I'm grateful that we, everybody's got a camera and everybody's recording and things are getting posted. But what happens is two things. It's probably a lot of things, but two things that I'll share is one, the way we deal with the trauma of seeing somebody get brutalized by a police officer is we whip out our phone and we start recording. There was a point in time where a community would be like, hey, we're going to surround you, police officer, and you're going to stop choking this man to sleep. And if you don't stop choking this man to sleep, we're going to have we're, we're going to respond. We're going to get involved. And so now that we're in a place where people are afraid because they're seeing these things every day and feel like they're powerless, they just record and hope somebody will intervene at some point in time or that justice will be served for said individual. You understand me? Um, Good. Right? And so the the response to that is just recording as opposed to intervening. And the other thing is just the actual recording itself is it becomes problematic for the person that records, for the person that watches, for the person that rewatches, for the shares and the retweets, and then everybody's traumatized. Um, but again, it's it's a double-edged sword because we need the retweets and the hashtags, although those don't always move to action, but they can in this generation that we live in now. Um, and so, but I think that, yeah, like, yeah, I said it. I, see, I'm doing better about repeating myself. People want to hear what? it again, they can great. rewind it. No, 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 I just don't. I'm, it's, I'm moving forward. I'm not repeating. You just need to rewind. You know what I'm saying? And hear it oh, again. Oh, okay. But yes, yes, yes. No, that's exciting. So if you listen to this episode... Um, would you just pause very quickly? Would you hit that subscribe button? And would you share this BBU Nation with five people who've never heard this episode or have never heard the BBU podcast or that would be extremely helpful for? This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that this, this thing um, of going through trauma and experiencing it in ways where you don't, you feel powerless. I think that's kind of the thing. It's like, I feel powerless and I am paralyzed by it. And so, you know, people don't recognize when they are trauma bonding, that the only reason why you are in this specific relationship or connection with someone 
is because you both have a shared experience in that trauma. You believe that we're going to be safe together, right? And so I, I think one of the things that's challenging in the trauma bond of a culture and generation that really does a lot of group thinking, I'm not saying there's anything wrong. There are problems with groupthink, but there are some benefits, right? Mm-hmm. When you when you do so and you begin to trauma bond with unhealthy people, it's going to be impossible for you to not be an unhealthy person, right? And so <laughs> that's the greatest challenge I see with trauma, right? Is that all of us need to grieve. All of us will feel pain. All of us will feel hurt. All of us will come to places in life where we experience forms of trauma. But if we allow ourselves unwillingly, uh, I'm sorry, unconsciously to connect with other people who, again, who could be experiencing the exact same thing, but they're unhealthy now because you're with unhealthy people, you unconsciously become a more unhealthy person in your trauma. And so the greatest challenge that I see is that we need to really begin to do a lot of um, self-discovery, self-assessment, and we need to grow in self-awareness so that we can have a self-actualization. You like that? You like that, JP? Uh, Uh, It's kind of basic, but it's cool. Yeah, nah. Nah, replay. <laughs> Straight fire. Those were bars. I gave you bars, you right? You did. Yeah, but you those were bars. You can't be so quick to congratulate yourself. You got to let it nah, marinate. Nah, no, listen, you trying to say... Ta- <laughs> you didn't oh, even finish your sentence you before you started to yourself up. You see bad cop on the people. Now you bad cop on I'm me. I'm saying, you can't, you can't ask me to co-sign that quick, bro. You give me listen, a chance to say it was listen, great. I just... You dissed it. I had just got it out of my mouth and you said it was all right. No, no, you asked me. Hey, that was great, right? And I was like... Mm. It was. Listen. All right. Listen. I, I, that's all. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was just saying that ultimately, one of the ways that we get out is that we learn how to self-actualize. We begin to become our fulfilled self, and the challenge is you have to put in the work, and that work will not happen in big groups. So, anything else that you see in terms of overcoming and why we can't overcome trauma? Or why is it so hard to overcome our trauma? Yeah, um, I mean, not really knowing how to properly deal with what's going on. So again, like like our culture now is like consume, 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 consume. And you have some people tweeting, please don't retweet any more black bodies being killed. Please don't retweet any more unarmed black men being shot. Please don't retweet any more black men getting choked to sleep by the police. Like, you know what I'm saying? So they are one for themselves saying they don't want to see it on their timelines anymore. But they're too also recognizing that uh, the more this stuff gets circulated, the more trauma can get passed on to people, right? And so we feel as if staying in the nose, watching the news more, being more educated about a specific incident gives us insight and gives us hope, but it actually brings us down, you know? Um, so you have to healthily engage, you know what I'm saying, in the stuff like, okay, this thing has happened. Okay, this is the update. Okay, this was going on. Or sometimes you just have to disengage altogether. Like I... This latest one with the Minnesota situation, I just couldn't watch my man have somebody stand on his neck for 10 minutes. Like, I just couldn't do it. You know what I mean? Um, and I didn't even want to see the still, uh, see the still shot of it. Um, but it's just one of those things where I want to know what's happening. I want to know what's going on because of some things that me, BJ, and I are potentially working on. But I sometimes you got to step away. You know, Black Day off, like Black Week off, Black Month off. Sometimes it's just... I mean, I told somebody like the other day, like, I think I'm going to take the rest of the year off and do no more social justice stuff and just work on my business because I just can't 
I can't do it. Like I just, you know what I mean? So I think we just got to step away, not be misinformed or uninformed, but not over uh, inundate ourselves with tragedy and trauma and, and, and bad news. Good. Good. Yeah, that, that's good. So, so part of what keeps us stuck in trauma is we are informing ourselves and re-traumatizing ourselves by exposing ourselves to stuff that we know. Like, this is not adding to my health, right? I think something else that gets us stuck in trauma, and maybe this is seen and it's unseen, is we, because we don't do a lot of um, introspection of ourselves, and we don't have a lot of intentional work around how we feel, when we get to these places of trauma, the feeling overrides everything. Your feelings of shame, guilt, anger. They're so like, it's like a swell of these emotions that you have not been dealing with at the same time. And I think it's like, we can't overcome it because we just don't know how to feel. Like we, if it ain't, you know, what the youth say, you know, there's a certain time, right? Uh, There's a certain, like, if it ain't that, that type of cultural, like it's sensual or it's just happy or it's, it's flat out anger. We don't have any emotions. Our range of emotions um, are there. I, I remember the first time going to the ret- a retreat reading this book. The guy talked about the different layers of, of feelings. And he said, instead of saying that you're angry, take a little time and to ask, am I angry or do I feel shamed? Or do I feel like I've been, been embarrassed? Or do I feel guilty, right? Like anger is the outward expression of a deeper emotion, right? And so I think one of the reasons why we get caught in traumas, especially, you know, let's say you've been abused or let's just say there's some things that have happened that have been unjust or there's been things that have been collectively occurred in a society when you don't practice the wide range of the emotions, now when things happen unexpectedly, right? Because trauma is often a very unexpectedly unexpected incident or event in your life. Now you're just overwhelmed and you're stuck, right? You're stuck with all of these things because you have not practiced learning how to express your range of emotions in a healthy way prior to that trauma. Right. And so I, I just think that's where we um, get overwhelmed in those things. So, anything else on why we get stuck in trauma, JP? Uh, exposure, inability to communicate. Yeah. Anything else you see why we get stuck in trauma before we start walking into application? Go ahead. So, I'm going to go political and then I'll go like um, like everyday stuff. But I think on one level, if we're talking about trauma, if we're talking about the audience that we're directly speaking to without being, you know, without being that guy. Um, we have to change laws. We have to get involved politically. We have to get involved on the state level, on the local level. And we're going to continue to experience injustice. We're going to continue to experience trauma at the hands of our sworn officers or at the hands of uh, citizens who are vigilantes or taking law into their own hands because they feel like there's no repercussions or they feel like they can or they feel like um, there was a quote, I think, during the Dred Scott case in the 1800s, where I think the judge said that there is no right of a black man that a white man is bound to respect. Um, and so I feel like that that thought lingers even into 2020. And until people get out and they actually are active 
in making sure that people are held responsible for committing crimes or do things that are unjust, we're going to keep experiencing trauma. And so that's one level on the political on the political side. On the you know interpersonal side or even the group side, we have to do a better job of lifting each other up and reminding each other that we're good, that we're worthy, that we're made in the image of God, that we're special, that we matter, that we count, because there's not enough of that that happens in popular media. There's not enough that happens in pop culture. There's there's not enough of that that happens in music and television. Um, it does happen. I'm not saying it doesn't happen at all, but it doesn't happen enough. Um, and so we get these images of, you know, as much as I, I love to see a, uh, uh, you know, the next person succeed, you know, Megan Thee Stallion has a song out now, I'd rather be a B-I-T-C-H um, off of the playoff of the old Tupac song. And it's just like, bro, like I was literally in the car the other day and it was five females in the car, some two young ones in the backseat. And that song came on and they were just, just yelling it as loud as they possibly could. And I'm like, man, these girls, these young women are already getting bombarded with the idea of what it means to be feminine what it means to be a woman and, and what they should be. Um, and that that's going to create trauma for them. You know what I mean? Um, and so we have all kinds of spectrums. We have, you know, the trauma that comes from the everyday news and everyday life. We have the trauma that comes from the music and the entertainment we ingest. Um, and so I think on a practical level, we have to monitor that stuff. We got to get involved politically and socially. And we also have to um, lift each other up and make sure that um, we offset the trauma that comes with positivity and positive words and kind words and acts of service and all that type of stuff. That's good. I'm going to go life coach on this one because, you know, we do a lot of stuff with kind of the clinical aspects of it and therapy. And I'm going to go life coach on it because I think some of the ways that you overcome trauma is how you tell your story, right? So this is just kind of case in point. So, you know, when I would get into certain groups of people and, you know, who were who I didn't grow up with, and it asked me like, oh, where are you from? What's your story? I would tell them the story and I would say, you know, this is where I'm from. It was tough. You know, I escaped gangs and drugs and all these different things. And so they ate it up. <laughs> JP, they, they, love, they, they love hearing that. I, I'm just like, well, this is just my life. I, I don't know why this is so exciting, but for whatever reason, there's a lot of excitement around it. And I think what it does is, especially when you're dealing with trauma and you, you tell yourself certain things about yourself, you tell yourself you're not brave. Um, you tell yourself that you're not bold. You tell yourself that, you know, you're always doing this and you're always doing that. And you begin to judge yourself and you begin to shame yourself and you begin to cripple yourself from any type of courageous act that could lead you out of trauma and also matrix type stuff, Right. When um, Trinity fell down that shaft and she was being chased by those um, those uh, Matrix agents, right? Bro, she was terrified. But here's the thing. She told, she looked at herself. She said, Trinity, get up. And I, and I just want to say on some old school life coach stuff, you need to tell yourself, we got to get up, mm-hmm. right? And you can do so by reframing your story, right? Here, here's what I mean, right? So instead of, let's just say you come out of a a very volatile background, right? And you've seen a lot of things that have happened, like JP and myself. Instead of walking around and saying, oh, well, my, you know, all these things happen in my background. I'm so glad to be in this new corporate setting, right? Like goodness happened there. You have to begin to begin to say to yourself, no, goodness did not start when I came to this environment. Goodness in my life has occurred all throughout my life. 
And my story of challenge is a story where now I recognize all that abuse I went through made me empathetic to people who were being abused. Um, all of the, the the challenges that I saw with struggling families helped me understand and made me authentic to loving families. All the things that I saw in terms of having to be overly responsible uh, because of maybe scarce resources gave me an understanding of work ethic. What we have to do, JP, is not find strength in the moment, but we have to find strength in our story. And the more you can reframe your story, the more you'll be able to stand a little bit more firm during trauma. Now, again, every one of us needs to feel, right, our emotions. We don't need to go through the emotions. But what we need to recognize is that we and ourselves have already experienced certain things so far, and those things have prepared us for this next thing, even though we've never seen it before. Right. And so I think overcoming trauma uh, will always entail you telling yourself a new narrative again and not just being sucked into the narrative, just like what you said, of whatever's being played out in front of you. So, yeah. What you think? Yeah. Um, you know, just believing that the future can be different and believing that you can be a part of the change that's necessary. I think is what has to be a part of our consistent mindset. Because once we're defeated, once we're like, oh, this happens. Oh, you know, what can we do? Oh, it's trauma. You know, yeah, I understand that. But blah, blah, blah. You're already defeated and there's no work that's going to be done. Um, and we have to understand that sometimes there's the quiet before the storm. And sometimes there's a storm before it's quiet. Um, but whatever, whatever side of that uh, activity you're on, whether we're in the quiet phase or the storm phase or whatever the case may be, when good people don't do things, when they don't move, when they don't, you know, stand up, when they don't, you know, speak out, trauma continues to happen. Tragedies continue to happen. And I think we have to be, like you're saying, more productive, not productive, more proactive uh, in making sure that we reduce the trauma that comes our way and that we're actively fighting against the things that produce the trauma, the injustice, the negative imagery on movies and film and television, the the reminding our nieces and nephews that they're kings and queens, that they are important, you know, all these different things, man, because it, it starts with us, you know, um, and we have to do a better job as people and as a culture of making sure that we're all in good space. Um, and again, it starts with believing that the future can be better and that, that we can be better. Yeah, this episode is helpful for you. Make sure you, again, hit that subscribe button um, and you share this with five new people, BBU Nation. Uh, that's the, one of the ways that we're able to grow and have our voices heard. They're one of the best podcasts, um, one of the best development, personal development co- podcasts in the world is by you simply sharing these episodes. Um, if, if you are interested and you say, man, I'm struggling, I'd love to have that trauma overcome, but I don't know where to start, make sure you visit buildabetterus.com. Hit um, program. I think we changed it. <laughs> we changed the tab from get involved. I know we did. Uh, we, we changed it from get involved. I'll tell you what it is now. Hit the programs. And then click um, coaching, and then you'll be able to find a certified life coach. Um, the initial consultation is free, so you don't have to worry. And we'd love to connect with you um, around any of those concerns or traumas. JP, because because our job is to help people become a better version of themselves. So that we become a better version of us. Thank you for tuning in to the Build a Better Us podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, or wherever podcasts are played. You too can become a part of the BBU Nation today by continuing these discussions on social media. Be sure to go like our Facebook page, 
Follow us on Twitter at Build a Better Us and on Instagram at BBU Social. To keep up with other exciting events and resources, visit our website at buildabetterus.com. On behalf of the entire BBU team, we'll see you next time on the Build a Better Us podcast.